Well, hey, everybody, this is Rachel Amaday. If you're here, you are listening or watching the spiritual exercises. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for being here. You guys, I've been, if you've been listening, you know I've been on a kick lately of discovering how the Holy Spirit's actually working in the church today because I believe the Holy Spirit is working. We have a lot of people out there giving testimony, um, denying the work of the Holy Spirit um, since the early church in Acts. And then we have people on another side um, you know, kind of over attributing different things, different things happening in the church to the Holy Spirit or false teachers bringing us false testimonies. I am trying to bring you a balanced, a real understanding of how good our God is and how he is working to heal people and bless people and how he's pouring out his spirit right now, which I think is very important. The timing is very important. So, you know, I've been uh, talking to different people about this issue today. I am so excited. Um, we're going to have Clark Varen. He is a co-brother of mine here in Colorado. Um, and he has an amazing podcast and a book he is working on. I believe it's called Healed by Faith. Clark, is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. So he's a podcast. Um, and then he has a book that he's working on that's going to be coming out called Healed by Faith. And this is um, his personal testimony. Is it also other people's testimonies as well? Or are you still working that out? Um, I use my personal testimony as a large portion of my book, uh, just because there's so much to it. Like there is, it was a crazy, like a global journey of discovering different aspects of the spiritual world that people just simply don't talk about that ended up with me receiving the Holy Spirit and ended up breaking a curse that was mm. the curse that kind of sent me on the journey in the first place. Well, let's, I want to hear all about it. So would you please share your story? Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> this is a this is a unique story because a lot of times uh, people don't talk about this side of the spiritual world, but we read about it in the Bible that there are there were especially in Acts, like when the disciples started going out into the rest of the world, they met magicians and they met sorcerers, and we hear those things, and we just tend to breeze right over it and act like that stuff doesn't actually exist anymore, like that was a fairy tale of the past. But I learned that it is very much real. Um, and I learned it firsthand because I was a victim, actually, of a curse of black magic. I left Haiti super, super sick five years ago after going there on a mission trip. And no doctor was able to figure out what was wrong with me. I went, I went in for the lab tests, did stool samples and blood samples, and they couldn't find any parasites. They couldn't find any bacteria. But over a very short period of time, like a month and a half, I ended up losing 40 pounds. And I couldn't really like eat anything at all. Um, over the years, I it like never really went away. And what got even worse was that that gut issue started to turn into nerve pain. Mm. Um, and it got so bad where it's like I couldn't even like sit at a desk and work effectively. Like it was affecting my, my ability to do my job. Um, and then it also started to affect my brain. And it literally was deteriorating my brain and my cognitive ability and I had memory loss and it got to the point where every day I would wake up and the first thought that I would have in the morning is like, how bad is the pain going to be today? Mm. So this is the state that I was in, um, having no clue what was wrong with me, but going to all these different doctors, trying to find a solution, trying to live as healthy of a lifestyle as I possibly could, eating the right diet, getting enough sleep and meditating and even getting into Chinese medicine, but nothing was really working. Um, and that's what kind of led me on the spiritual journey in the first place. Wow. 
That sounds horrible. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> um, but I know a lot of people can relate. You know, there are so many people who um, have suffered all sorts of um, illnesses, whether they're it's mental illness or physical, especially I feel like in the last three to five years, I've just noticed a huge uptick in folks um, suffering. So I feel like a lot of people can relate to your pain. I'm someone who used to suffer from migraines. I can relate to that of just mm -hmm. the unending. When is it going to end? I can't, I don't know how I'm going to be able to get through this kind of pain. Um, but yours was for how long? How long did that last? Five years. Yeah. That's crazy. That's a crazy amount of time. Yeah. So tell us like what happened? What did God do? So the first thing that he did is he actually sent a little miracle to my house in an Amazon package. It was perfectly addressed to me, but I had no idea who the sender was. I didn't order it. It wasn't in my orders, but it was a little book that said how to meditate. And mm. I was like, this is crazy. Cause I had, I don't know if you've ever heard of Joe Dispenza before, but he's a meditation teacher that helps people heal themselves through meditation. And I had gone to one of his retreats before. So I knew meditation was like a potential healing modality. And mm -hmm. I started meditating. I kid you not like two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening, um, sometimes three times a day. So it was like four to six hours of meditation a day until the pain, the worst of it literally melted out of my back. Wow. Um, and I was able to like function as a human being again, which, which was so nice uh, for the time being. Yeah. But at this point, I had complete, I had com experienced a complete failure of Western medicine. And this is really what I'm trying to help people understand and create awareness about in my book, Healed by Faith, is that there are some diseases that Western medicine is not equipped to resolve because they have spiritual roots. Mm. And now for me, it was a curse, right? Which is a very clear spiritually rooted disease. But there are so many diseases that have spiritual roots that we chalk up as being genetic disorders or autoimmune disorders, uh, things, but that what we're, when we're seeing the change of our genome, we're actually seeing a physical manifestation of what is actually a spiritual root. Does that make sense? It so, totally does. I, I want to give like the, my listenership, just kind of like some context here and examples for you. Um, cause I know a lot of people in Christianity, traditional Christianity, they hear the word meditation and it makes them nervous. It makes them feel like, oh, we're entering into some other religion. We're entering into some other um, headspace. So I'd love for you to go into more detail about that. But what I know, what I have seen happen, guys, this is also my testimony. And I know to my listeners, I've never given you this testimony, but Western medicine was also failing me and my journey with migraines and what doctors would have told me were it was never going to work. And I'd watched it fail other people in my family that had some of the same issues. And something God really spoke to me is just how miraculous, number one, his creation is, what he has put into creation, um, what he's put into our hearts and minds. Like the Bible actually does talk about certain things becoming poisonous for people. You see gossip and slander in the Old Testament turn into skin disease for people because mm -hmm. it's so wicked and it causes, it mm -hmm. stirs up so much wickedness. You see bitterness in scripture, that root of bitterness and unforgiveness can cause all sorts of physical problems and ailments. The Bible backs this up, mm -hmm. that there are things that you can be doing spiritually and emotionally that can wreck you. Mm -hmm. And that the solution is to 
come back to the Lord. For some of us, it's repentance, repenting of a root of unforgiveness Mm -hmm. and bringing it to God and saying, I need to be able to forgive. I need to stop being bitter. I need to stop being envious. I need to stop being a gossip, right? All of these things that the Lord says, don't do these things. These aren't part of my kingdom. When you do them, they are unhealthy. And we're supposed Mm -hmm. to be the body of Christ, right? The body is supposed to be healthy. That's why Mm -hmm. we're pictured as a body, because if your cells are working (laughs) properly in your body, then you're body grows properly. If we are working properly in the body of Christ, then the body is healthy. And so we have these pictures given to us in scripture. So I want you to kind of hear these testimonies to understand the Bible really does back up that, um, you know, people have this amazing ability. We, we have, our minds are so powerful. We can, we can make our minds believe all sorts of, we could talk ourselves into and out of all sorts of things. We can also cause dishealth, unhealth in our bodies mm-hmm. through poor mindsets and poor behaviors. And so um, you might be talking to that. I don't know. Cause I want to hear more about like the meditation journey and how you experience the Holy spirit, but I've definitely seen that experienced it understand Mm -hmm. it, observed it. I'm old enough now to have observed it in many other people. Um, This is just the, and then we're discovering this through studies of quantum physics, right? We're discovering these things through studies, you know, scientific studies, but the Bible already talked about this stuff. So tell, tell me a little bit more, like how did the Holy spirit enter into the picture? Like, how did you know that was happening? And yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's a lot of evidence of what we talked about. We'll come back to that. But uh, basically at this point, when I was suffering from just extraordinary pain, not knowing what was going on, not knowing if there was a God or not at this point in my life, like I grew up Christian, but totally became an atheist at one point and kind of bounced back to this point of like, there could be, you know, like every culture in history has always had some kind of spiritual element. Is that a coincidence? I didn't really feel like that was even possible to be a coincidence, nor did I believe that there was this almighty God either, Mm. but all of that changed very quickly. Um, what I ended up doing, what I ended up seeking out was I sought out alternative medicines. And specifically I found out that there was this ayahuasca shaman that was going to be available for me to be able to sit with. Now, if you're not familiar, familiar with what ayahuasca is, it is a medicine. It's a super ancient medicine that has been used in the Amazon for thousands of years. Um, it literally opens you up to the spiritual world and they use this medicine as you're opened up to the spiritual world to be able to call down, to pray light down into your body and heal you through like a spiritual method. And because of that, it can heal like all different kinds of diseases. Now I'm not going to dive too much into that because there's a lot of like contrary beliefs about that within the Christian community. And that's not the moral of the story either. This medicine, the ayahuasca opened me up to being able to a first thing that happened was complete proof that there is God, that he is the essence of all things, that he's in all things, that he's the creator of the universe, that he's all loving, all powerful, all wise. He showed me all of these characteristics the first time that I took ayahuasca. And then Mm. after that, he showed me that I was very, very sick and I needed to go figure out what was actually wrong with me. And Mm. so I, after that, literally went to Brazil for 40 days For 40 days in the wilderness, this sounds like a Bible story, right? But for 40 days in the wilderness, I was in deep spiritual warfare as I was figuring out what the root of my illness was. And the day that I discovered it was during one of these ceremonies, I ended up pulling a worm out of my sacrum, up my back, and it came out of the top of my head. This was 
an energetic worm. Like I could feel it in my body, but mm. this thing came out of my body and I sat there. I was like, oh my gosh, is this thing gone? And I felt a leech on the outside of my face sucking on the outside of my face. And I was like, holy smokes, there's a freaking worm on my face. I, I wipe it away and it like disappears into the ether. Mm. That was the first time that I realized a spiritual entities are real. Like there are spiritual entities that don't have physical bodies yet they can exist inside of us and can create disease. And this spiritual entity happened to be a parasite. It was very much like a leech that was sucking on my life force. And because it was feeding off of my life force, it was actually feeding off of the it, that's one of the reasons why I felt like a stomach infection, the disease that I had um, from Haiti. It felt like a stomach infection, but it also was feeding off of the energy of my nervous system, which explains why I had massive nerve pain, why I had cognitive decline and memory loss and all of these nervous system mm. issues in addition to the gut issue. So before you go on, before you go on, okay. So you've mentioned a couple of things. Again, we, you know, I'm not a huge fan of ayahuasca, so I'll throw that out there <laughs> to everybody. But I wouldn't more... imagine you would be. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's because um, I've actually, I actually know people who have used it, um, who also, it's interesting, who also now believe that there's a spiritual world, but they had encounters with demonic entities mm -hmm. in those situations, really terrifying experiences. So it's one of those powerful things that, you know, I feel like people don't really know, like you mess with that, you don't know what you're messing with, mm -hmm. but it sounds like God entered into what you, cause, because you were seeking healing, you were seeking mm -hmm. freedom from your pain. To me, what it sounds like, I don't know if you've ever heard testimonies of like alcoholics or drug addicts have the same experience where like they're on some trip or they've, they've done, you know, some, something to kind of ease their pain. God enters the experience and like speaks with them in a new way that they hadn't seen before, hadn't mm -hmm. heard before and is able to use that because they're, you know, people are in pain. God loves mm -hmm. us so much. He wants us like, I don't think God wants us to be miserable. I think God wants us to have joy mm -hmm. on this earth and to like live well. So he enters whatever experience we're in. He enters our journey to give, to make sure that we understand a choice. Like we get a mm -hmm. choice. He's fair. So I hear your story and I hear this experience that maybe the Lord entered that. And he's like, I want Clark to have the the choice mm -hmm. to know me, to know that I exist and to be freed. The second point I wanted to kind of bring up here is you are the second person this week that has talked to me about some sort of spiritual entity feeding off of a life force, mm -hmm. which is strange. So, so some sort of weird confirmation here happening, but the Bible talks about the enemy, the adversary, that he would eat basically the dust of human beings, that he would be like living off of or only have access to the world through certain types of rituals or certain types of behaviors or um, by using people up, right? And um, I think that in America, we don't want to deal with this kind of scary idea that there are spiritual entities that it sounds like yours was you, you believe it was from a curse. And I want to hear more about that, but mm -hmm. either from curses or from us opening a door, we don't know we're opening or giving Sometimes we do know we're opening it, right. Giving access somehow um, people are suffering under the influence of these things. Sometimes they don't, and they don't even know it. Right. They don't mm -hmm. even know that something has received access to their lives 
mm-hmm. right? And are causing this pain and suffering. And it's happening. This happens. Like this is a real, I've had many people on my podcast now that have talked about this. You know, it's not just God that is existing out there as spirit. There are lots of spiritual entities and a lot of them are the enemy. You know, they're part of the enemy's team. And um, I'd like to kind of, I want you to kind of expand on that because this is something I think in the West, we pretend like it doesn't exist and we seek out medicine, Western medicine to fix us. Mm-hmm. When like you're saying, some of the time the issue is a spiritual problem, yeah. right? It's a spiritual was, issue. Yeah, I would say like 80% of the time it's a spiritual issue. And to your point, like when you're talking about like opening doors, there are some times when we're like opening ourselves up to these different types of energies and spirits. Um, it really follows what we understand about quantum physics and energy, right? It's kind of like a tuning fork where it's like, if you ding one tuning fork, if you are resonating at a certain frequency, if you're giving off the frequency of unforgiveness, of resentment, then you are literally attracting spiritual entities that are going to resonate with unforgiveness and resentment. And you are opening up your spiritual field for those entities then to be able to latch onto you. And what can happen is if you feel resentful towards someone else who has a demon, and one of the best stories that I have about this is the story of Unbroken. If you know Louis Zamperini in World War II, Mm. he, he was this guy who was a prisoner of war in Japan. And he was an Olympic athlete. And so this, this one prison guard would torture him over and over and over again. This, this guy clearly had a lot of demons, right? And they called him the bird. So the bird would torture Louis Zamperini. Uh, well, Louis Zamperini was eventually freed and he made it back home to America. But in his dreams, he had such vivid PTSD of he didn't know this at the time, but it was the demons of the bird continuing to haunt him. And why did those demons have access to Louis Zamperini? Because Louis still resented the bird. How did Louis mm. heal himself? He had to forgive the bird and mm. break that spiritual link with mm. the bird. By forgiving him, he broke the spiritual link with the bird and broke the spiritual link with the bird's demons, mm. right? So no longer can the bird's demons attack Louis Zamperini and all of a sudden the PTSD was gone and the night terrors were gone and he ended up living an extremely beautiful righteous life spreading the gospel about how he was healed um after coming back from this being a prisoner of war in World War II. Yeah. Hence why guys one of the reasons that I believe in teaching scripture and I believe in teaching obedience to God's things is there are spiritual repercussions to things we do that we cannot see. So sometimes God's going to ask you to do something. He's asking you to do something that feels mysterious to you, but you don't understand the spiritual entities around the spiritual repercussions of how you're living. And God is smarter than we are. He sees it all. You know, Mm -hmm. he sees the 10 dimensional aspects, right? All of the dimensions Mm -hmm. and everything that we're doing. And so we think bitterness and unforgiveness is just an emotion, but we don't understand that it can be a root. It can be a stronghold in your life and it can open doors to spiritual activity that we never wanted. And that's why the Bible Mm -hmm. is so clear about forgiving, right? About kind of living above that emotional reactivity that we tend to have and that addiction to certain types of emotions. Because like you said, you you are an energy. You're a frequency. You put out frequency. Mm-hmm. You put out energy. And, um, and you, I, I mean, these spiritual entities obviously can 
pick up on that energy and understand where you're at. Yeah, 100%. And when I was going through this journey, like I was super clear with my family about what was going on. Like you can imagine it, it totally freaked them out, but it's like, hey mom, hey dad, um, I just pulled a worm out of my head. I'm going to be here for a while figuring out what's going on. Um, My dad did not believe in demons. He literally said, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. He wanted to believe in all of the kind and beautiful things about the spiritual world. But he's like, I don't believe in demons. Mm. And I, I now realize that that's exactly where the devil wants us. The devil wants us to be completely ignorant of the fact that there is a spiritual world, that unforgiveness isn't just an emotion, that it gives off a spirit. Yeah. It's like a spiritual beacon. And you have to cleanse yourself of all of that, like, poor spiritual energy. Otherwise you're going to be exposed to spiritual warfare and the spiritual warfare can come in terms of things, trying to control your thoughts, your emotions can like it, the spiritual warfare tries to suppress you from being a beacon of light. You know, it tries to make you less than who you fully can be in this world. Um, so yeah, we have an entire discussion on putting on the armor of God. And that's not does not mean that you walk out of your house with like all that stuff on you physically. That's spiritual armor for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And you better be polishing that armor every day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Tell me about how, how did you discover or what makes you believe that the reason that this happened to you was a curse? What, what exactly do you recall this happening or? Yeah. So, um, there's two things. First, the most important thing is just like the date that I started to get ill was in Haiti. Like I can just trace back the beginning of my illness to Haiti. Um, I gave someone a micro loan when I was in Haiti. I have a microfinance institution in Uganda. We give, we invest in poor people in poverty to help lift them out of poverty. But that started in Haiti where I gave someone $200, which is six months income for the average Haitian person. And I must've made a witch doctor jealous. And so a witch doctor um, must've cursed me. And then I got, I felt super sick. I know one other guy who had, who has had the exact same story. He never even went to Haiti. Um, his dad was a missionary in Haiti. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that the witch doctor got a hold of a picture of this guy's son. Right. And mm-hmm. this guy had the exact same parasite. And how did he heal himself? How did he break that curse? He completely surrendered to Christ. It's the exact same yeah. story that I had to break my curse as well. Um, And by the way, like people who, so I interviewed a woman, I'll have to send you her interview. You'll love it. Um, But she helps people get free from those sorts of curses and has done a lot of really high level work with people who were involved in like satanic ritual abuse, all sorts of crazy things like that. But she talks to people who were previously witches, witch doctors, those sorts of people. And they talk about, how when they try to put a curse on someone who's covered by the blood of Christ, that they can't, Mm -hmm. they can't, they can't touch them. And so that, that covering, right. It's called in the Bible. It's called the, the Sukkot tent. It's called a souk. It's a covering. The the book of Job mentions it, that when you belong to God and when you're under his umbrella, like he puts his covering over you. So the enemy can't even see you. The enemy can't Mm -hmm. touch you. But um, if you don't have that covering, you can be prone to these Mm -hmm. things happening to you, even in the United States of America, because those are the people she's talking to, people who are putting curses on people in the United States of America. This isn't just happening in Haiti or in some other country. So, yeah. 
And it's crazy. I've talked to some Mormon missionaries who have gone to like the deepest parts of Africa. And they're like, oh my gosh, people tried to curse us every single day. And it was never effective. Like we, we, yeah. we never like fell to it. And it's so true. It's mm-hmm. like the, the armor of Christ, that faith, that shield of faith is that's exactly what it is. It's like yeah. when you've got the shield of faith, you can't be attacked. Yeah. Um, so the, to answer your question, by the way, about like, how did I know that this was, this was, this was like not an ordinary just illness, yeah, dark illness. Right. Right. Um, or that this wasn't just an ordinary demon. It was a very, very aggressive demon. And when I tried to get rid of it, um, I literally have pulled hundreds of these demons out of my body, hundreds. Mm. And before I broke the curse, um, I pulled many of them out and I would actually push, I would be able to like physically push them out of my body. Mm. Um, but the more that I fought with my own effort to get them out, the harder this thing would fight back. And it eventually fought back to the point where it like evolved into this like nasty, nasty, like dragon. It had wings and a, it got, it got really ugly and it got to the point where it almost killed me. Like the, the demon at one point got into the center of my brain, got on my like pineal gland and it was creating some nasty symptoms. Like I wasn't able to see straight. It was like, I was having beer goggles on and stuff like that. Um, but it was the more that I tried to attack it, the more it attacked back. So mm-hmm. it was just a really, really, really ugly spirit. And because you can't do that on your own. You can't do this on your own. And I also realized that this spirit, very similar to um, in Mark, when the disciples find the boy with seizures, they're like, hey, we can't cast this spirit out. Um, Jesus says this kind can only come out through prayer. You can't cast it out through any other method than prayer. And so it wasn't until I stopped trying to fight against this thing and just let it praying and letting the angelic forces Mm. actually just like dissolve it out of my body. Yeah. Um, that I really started to get better. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, um, so in the Colleen James interview for my listeners who might want to go back and review it too, we talk about the difference between demons and fallen angels. So if you have the Holy spirit, you have the power within you already to cast out demons. Demons are one, one level entity in the spiritual realm, but fallen angels, you cannot handle on your own. Fallen angels require that God sends, right, his angels to come and to rescue you. You're not going to be, you do not have the power or the authority um, because fallen angels actually are an entity above human beings. They have more power than you do. And so people who try to take on fallen angels or people who say, oh, I have the power to cast out whatever, do whatever. They're taking a position that maybe they need to be a little bit, be a little bit careful here. The Bible says that the angels, the angels are above human beings in kind of that hierarchy. And so Mm -hmm. you need God to show up with his angels to help you deal with some of these higher level entities. And it sounds like that's what happened. It sounds like you prayed and God sent um, help your way to kind of finish the job. Yeah, 100%. Um, and so what, what ended up happening is I kept going from like healer to healer to healer. I mean, it was a nasty journey mm. um, until eventually I got fighting against this parasite. It got so bad and so ugly that I literally thought I was going to die. And I ended up flying home to Colorado after spending multiple months in, I was in Mexico for 
large portion of this as well. I ended up flying home from Mexico back to Colorado, where my home is, and having terrible demonic attacks. I had fasted for the last month and a half. I had maybe like a handful of meals. I had lost like 40 pounds. I fasted all but like six meals. It was, it was pretty gnarly. Um, and every time that I would eat, I would have a demonic attack because this thing was a freak. It was a parasite, you know? So, um, I get to the point where I have no other options. Mm -hmm. Like I've tried all the healers. I've done everything. I feel like I'm going to die. And that night I remember laying down in my bed and I felt I, I, in my vision, I saw a black smoky dragon. I'm literally just in my bed praying to God, like, please, please, please just let me sleep peacefully. And I saw a black vision or, or a black dragon in my vision, like approaching it on me. And I started to feel something choking me. And mm -hmm. I literally felt like this thing, if I fell asleep, was going to choke me and kill me in my sleep. Um, at that point, I got up. I was like, I can't even sleep right now. Like I can't eat. I can't sleep. My body is like withering away. And I call my friend. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, if you don't know what to do, pick up some scripture mm -hmm. and read and just keep yourself awake. And at first I was like, are you kidding me? You think that scripture is going to do anything? And I was like, I got nothing to lose. I might as well pick up my Bible. And in the moment of decision of picking up my Bible, it was like whoosh, massive healing. And then I went and I got my Bible. I started reading it. I went straight to the book of Mark and I started reading my Bible and I kid you not, parasites started just projectile flying out of me. Wow. Like it was the strongest healing ever. I had, it was the first time ever that I had to put in zero effort, not as not a single ounce of effort, except for keep just getting through the pages. Right. So I get to the Man. second, I get to the second chapter of Mark and I get to the part where Jesus is being asked, hey, why are the Pharisees fasting and John's disciples are fasting, but Jesus's disciples aren't fasting? Like, why Why not? And Jesus says that parable about, well, the wedding guests don't have to fast in the presence of the bride or groom, right? right. And he's basically saying, you don't have to fast in the presence of Christ. Right. And I literally, right then and there, I'm like, I'm in the presence of Jesus. I'm in the presence of Jesus. And I went to my fridge and I got this tiny piece of like broccoli florette out of the fridge and I ate it and <laughs> nothing happened. It was the first time in months that I yeah. was able to eat without having mm. a demonic attack. And so I ate through my entire fridge completely protected that day. And I was like, yeah. finally able to start restoring my strength again. Well, at this point, I started to read the Bible, but I didn't fully understand the full extent of Jesus's power. I, when I got to the part of like Jesus has full authority on heaven and on earth, I was like, ah, well, maybe someone wrote that in. Maybe that's not true or not. No, that is freaking true. In fact, yeah. it was so true that there was one time I would do these. Pr I continued doing prayer fasts even after I picked up my Bible where I would go seven days without eating. Mm. And for the last like two, three days of the fast, I would spend all day praying literally the entire day. I'd go into the mountains. I'd go into nature somewhere and I would pray for hours and hours and hours and hours. Well, there was one time where on the seventh day of this fast, I had a vision of Jesus come down to me like mm. a white star. And he came down and he hovered right above my chest. And then he started to ascend. And as he ascended, every single one of the parasites in my body was completely frozen and started to ascend with him. And he showed me, he's like, I can effortlessly heal you in an instant right yeah. now. This is nothing 
right. for me. But if you don't understand who I am, then I will not heal you. And that's mm. why Jesus says so many times, by your faith, you have been healed. It's like, yeah. do you fully understand who Christ is? Yeah. Yeah. Do you really trust him? Do you really believe that he is who he says he is? And I, I think this is um, something I try to teach my kids, actually. So when Yeshua is in the desert and Satan himself is tempting him, all he does is quote scripture. He quotes Deuteronomy. He goes to Deuteronomy 6 and he goes to a couple of other places in Deuteronomy. That's it. That's all he had to do. He literally pulled his own word. He spoke it to the enemy and the enemy had to leave. Mm -hmm. And that's how powerful the word of God is that the enemy cannot stand the truth, cannot mm -hmm. stand the grace that is given in scripture and cannot be in the presence because the spirit of God the spirit of God gives you the ability, right? There's that one guy who says, you know, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. The spirit mm -hmm. of God gives you that ability to have that faith. And when you go to scripture, just, just, I think just the act of opening up the Bible that you did, I'm going to go here. I'm looking for any answer, right? I'm going to go here and I'm going to look and I'm going to, I'm going to just give it a shot. Even just that one act of faith, right? That's mm -hmm. enough. And and it's it's kind of crazy to me because people don't understand the context of how Jesus actually got rid of Satan himself. Yeah. He, opened, he opened up the word. He spoke it. He spoke it. And it has such power when it is spoken and when, when you take it in and believe it. And um, I've had a lot of spiritual. So again, my listeners don't know this. I've had a lot of spiritual experiences in my life. And so I know some people don't. Some people don't feel like they've ever seen an angel or encountered a demonic force. And they listen to this stuff and they're like, this is so foreign to me. This isn't cultural. I didn't grow up like this. So I don't even really believe it. I don't know what to think about this. But um I think what's interesting about your story is God to me, and tell me if you feel this way, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but to me, when I hear it, God allowed you to go through this mm -hmm. to yeah. get to the place where you were going to open yourself up to what he had to say and his word. And then to be able to have that, like God gets us through all sorts of means and God allows right? He allowed Job to be persecuted. Job was righteous. Job was known as a righteous man and God still allowed him to be sifted. Mm -hmm. So you don't know, sometimes you don't know why you're going through what you're going through, but we do know that God says, if you love him, he will use it to the good, right? He mm -hmm. can use it to bring you to good. And so you have this amazing testimony now that you're working on getting out there and helping people and sharing it and also helping people understand healing, understand like how we get in positions where we're out of health and how to get back into health and kind of get back in alignment with how God wants us to live on the earth. Um, let me ask you this, because I know we're, I try to keep it to an hour. I always go long though. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, I, cause I get so interested in people's stories. Um, you've spent a lot of time probably in this now, and you've seen a lot of things. Sounds like you traveled a lot. 
how can you, how do you, like, what do you think about some of the false experiences that are out there? Because there are people out there teaching mm -hmm. healing or um, preaching kind of a false gospel that's more centered on themselves and their own gratification, their own glory, their own financial gain, whatever. Like, how do you tell the difference between this is real, this is somebody that's just taking advantage of you know, people who need to hear that message. <laughs> yeah. So I've actually learned a few things. Um, one of them, one of the more obvious things is that when a spirit testifies that Christ is who he said he is, that's, that's like first and foremost, right? Number uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's, that's number one. That's number, number one. one. And I think, I think that is in the book of James, uh, where he might. I think it's in, um, well, my it's probably in multiple places because it's all over. Yeah, everything's usually all over scripture. But I just read that. So I'm trying to think if it was in one of the gospels or if it's in Acts. But yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's the that's the first thing is like if something testifies uh of Christ, then like the demonic realm fights so hard for people to not come to Christ. Yeah. That's the hardest thing that it's fighting for. So if something is demonic, then you know it's going to like really try to uh, try to throw you off there. And then another thing too, that I've noticed um, in my own experience, cause now I, I can feel the presence of angels and I know what they feel like. Um, part of that was because I, when I was uh, using plant medicine, I was able to see them at work mm -hmm. and associate that feeling right now. Mm -hmm. I know that feeling and it's like, oh, that is an angel. That's an angel. And I I actually, during my healing meditations, which I'd love to offer everyone in your audience, my healing meditation, the hospital of Jesus Christ. I've done most of my healing work with this meditation, mm. but literally angels will come and visit me. Mm. And there was one time, uh, actually just earlier this week, just a few days ago during a soccer game, I got my ankle stomped like so badly to the point where the next day I woke up, I couldn't walk at all. Mm. Um, and I did my healing meditation and I had an angel come down and do some like repair work on my, mm. on my ankle. And it was better after the meditation. Yeah. Like it was, it was, uh, almost completely healed within mm. like 40 minutes. So, uh, part of that is like angels are very gentle, their presence. And this is one thing, um, when you are receiving a healing, it can feel kind of weird to have an angel actually touching you mm. and you can feel like your body, like starting to move in certain directions of, of like, I, it, this isn't me doing this. It's just, it, but something's going on. You have to just let it ride. Mm. You have to let it ride. And if it's an angel, it'll be very gentle with you. It'll be very soft with you. Um, but what it's doing is it might, it might be moving your body around. Like I've had times where, where I've gotten like, I call it like spiritual surgery done on my neck and stuff where the literally the angels like taken my neck and like moved my neck around and it's like pulling something out and I don't know what's going on, but I have to fully trust that that angel with its gentle, soft touch is, is a mm. light. Yeah. Now do you, so I've laid hands on people, prayed for people, felt like the Holy Spirit has shown up and that person is better. 
you know, mm-hmm. that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that I've ever experienced an angel actually touching anybody or doing any of oh, that yeah? stuff. I think uh, for me, it's always been just asking the spirit of God to come and to relieve someone of pain or to relieve someone of something yeah. or to heal somebody. Um, and I've had, I've had those experiences a few times in my own life. Um, where someone's laid hands on me as well. And, and the pain has been relieved or whatever, Mm -hmm. but it was so automatic for me. So I've never had that particular experience. Um, how do you, how do you now? So we, we know to test the spirits that you can say, Hey, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the one like giving credit to Yeshua for all the things that are going on. But how do you test human beings? Because people, um, can be just, giving you a load of garbage, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a really tough one too. I, I, that's You can test the spirits. That's kind of, it's almost easier than testing human beings, right? Like how do you, yeah. like, how do you differ? So one of the questions I had for you, and maybe you had some time to think about it is, have you noticed that there's a particular set of character traits or fruits of the spirit that you notice in people who are involved in healing ministries or helping people heal? Do they have a specific, like, are they showing the fruits of the spirit? Do you notice that? Is there, are there things that become obvious to you as you observe that um, in their lives and, and how they mm-hmm. live? Yeah, 100%. I think that the first and foremost character trait is humility. Mm. Like that is when when you are healing yourself or or helping someone else heal, um it's not you doing the work. Right. It's you surrendering to the spirit and the spirit doing the work. Yeah. Right? And with humility comes all sorts of uh traits where you can feel the spirit on somebody else, where you really start to allow the spirit to fully fill your body. And the more that you begin to learn from that firsthand experience of being filled through the spirit, the more you can start to sense the spirit in other people. And you can kind of have this like, you can kind of have like a BS detector, you know, Uh, when you're fully filled with the spirit, you know, when someone else is too. Um, cause it changes their life. It changes who they are. So that's probably the first place that I would start is like that idea of humility. Like if someone thinks too highly of themselves and their abilities or brags about that, their abilities, it's yeah. like, you're not filled with the spirit because right. it has nothing to do with you. Like yeah, the people who are filled with the spirit always redirect the credit back that's to right. God. That's always. right. And I think what I like about your testimony so far, at least, is um, so I grew up and in, in went to like a charismatic school. And so I was really um, exposed to charismatic behaviors where they would talk about the Holy Spirit, slaying people in the spirit, all this stuff. And what I never liked about those experiences, and I'm not denying that the Holy Spirit was part, I'm just not, I'm not saying yes or no, because I don't ever want to be the person that denies that the Holy Spirit has done done some work. But what I didn't ever feel comfortable with about those experiences is they always made, they always degraded human beings. So when you would watch the behavior happening in the room, human beings looked like animals. They turned into something other than what I would consider divine. And I always thought there was something wrong with that. And then as I've, as I've prayed more for people and experienced God heal me and, and seen other people have healing the most, the, the ones that like somebody put their hands on me and prayed for a migraine and it's gone. Right. Or I do Mm. the same for somebody else. 
There's none of that. There's none of like the show or the rigmarole. Nobody's like lying on the ground, writhing and convulsing. There's nothing insane going on. God just God doesn't need to do that to heal people. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to put you through some sort of weird animal-like out of control experience. You surrender, you pray, you give him the glory. He does his work, right? He does what mm-hmm. he wants to do there. Um, and it sounds like, you know, your experience with that, some of your experience, probably not with the demonic entities, because they're not gentle <laughs> or they're not, they're not interested in keeping you safe. Um yeah. But that when God's at work, he doesn't need to, he doesn't need to throw you around like a rag doll in order to heal you, I guess is kind of what I'm, the point I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. You know, when God says to Adam and Eve in the garden, even after they sinned, you're going to still walk with your head held high. You're not going to crawl on the ground. You have place, you have purpose, you have dignity. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. And so if all control of self is lost, what spirit is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've thought of that. I thought about a lot because of my past experiences. So like being able to test the spirits, looking around, going to the word saying, what is the spirit of God like? And mm-hmm. what are these other entities like? Right. And mm-hmm. what when, you know, Paul is talking to churches in um, Romans and, and the in Corinthians and he's giving these rules for how the Holy Spirit works. It's because at the time there were a lot of demonic entities that were worshipped that would possess people during those worship services. And those people would do certain things that would look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And li- listen, which doctors can heal people, too? I mean, right. They can do crazy things that make people feel better or make people seem better. They they can put forward this false power. So you have to be able to go to the word and say, but what does the Holy Spirit look like? What does the spirit of God actually look like? What does mm-hmm. healing in God's kingdom really look like? And so yeah. you see, you see Paul give these rules, but a lot of times one aspect of Christianity will completely ignore those rules. And one aspect of Christianity will take those rules and will say the spirit of God doesn't even do this anymore. And we need to come to like an agreement. What is the Bible actually teaching on this? Right. Cause I don't think either one is accurate. Yeah. Well, the Holy spirit is still definitely at work and it's right. still at work in the same way that it was back then. Yeah. Like it still gives you spiritual gifts um, in fact, what ended up breaking my curse was after I had to like completely renew the mind in Christ. Like God first gave me faith once I received, once I had like full faith, then it was like this journey of obedience. And as I got through that obedience stage, uh, although I wasn't perfect, there was a point where I was so surrendered to Christ mm. that that night I literally had angels just descend on me and just Mm -hmm. suck the disease right out of my body over the Mm -hmm. course of like three hours. um, I was being healed. And it was like, if if you can think of like in Harry Potter, the dementors literally like sucking the, it literally was sucking the demonic life out of me. Mm -hmm. And it left a tiny, tiny, tiny bit left just to hold accountable, very similar to, to um, uh, Paul's like thorn in the flesh. But when I officially broke the curse, I, could, I know the exact moment that that happened. It was after that massive healing. I was completely mind blown by the magic of our world. And I laid my head back down to rest. And I was in this like half asleep state where my thoughts were all like subconscious. And I thought in that subconscious state, I can't wait 
to help heal other people. Can't wait mm. to help save other people. And mm. it was in that moment of subconscious commitment to Christ that all of a sudden I had this rush of air, like yes, it was like a rush of air was forced down into my lungs, into like the mm. core of my body. And I felt this, like this crack happen. It was like an mm. earthquake happened throughout my entire body. And I was like, that was it. That was the breaking Hmm. of the curse, the mark that was on me that made me exposed yeah. to that demonic realm. Hmm. And if you look at Acts, how did the Holy Spirit come to the disciples? It came as a rushing wind mm-hmm. and filled the room as a wind. Yeah, I received the Holy Spirit as a wind. It is the same Holy Spirit today as it was back then. And it was after I received the Holy Spirit that I started to experience my deepest spiritual gifts as mm. well. And those gifts have stuck to me. Um, and it, as long as I continue my practice and maintain like that spiritual authority through humility, mm. um, they continue to grow. So, so everything that you read you, about the Bible is impossible. Do you know the Hebrew word for the Holy Spirit? I don't think so. So it's the Ruach HaKadosh. And it literally means wind or breath. And so you literally experience the name of that aspect of God come upon you, which I think is so cool. You didn't know that. I had a feeling you didn't didn't know know that. that. (laughs) But see, God, even when people don't have all the knowledge, God confirms who he is, right? So, um, which I am learning more and more and more. It's really fun. Like I pursue knowledge because I'm a researcher. I was a journalism major. I just love the knowledge piece. But God teaches people. He teaches people and the Holy Spirit teaches people. And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't always need somebody to come along with the right information. But that's what it literally means. The Ruach HaKadosh, that's the Hebrew term. And that's exactly the picture that it's this breath. It's this wind, right, that goes out. Um, so cool because it's that life. Like we we only have breath because of the Spirit of God. Remember, God mm-hmm. He breathed into Adam and he breathed a space in Adam for the spirit to be. That's what that breath carved out, right? That space for the spirit to live and for the spirit to be. So we're made to have that space filled with only one thing, the Holy Spirit, right? The spirit of God. And so when God comes in and fills that space, that's how those curses, yeah, they do get broken. That's how people do get healed. That's how you you wake up, you become alive, you get reborn because that spirit was always supposed to be there and it's that's necessary to fill that space. Um, I love, I love your testimony. I am, I mean, it's weird for people in the West. It's different, but listen, so I have, I have encountered so many people who have had spiritual experiences. They don't know how to explain them. People who are non-believers and people who are believers, people who travel to other countries too, they'll come back and they'll be like, there was really weird stuff that happened that I can't explain. Um, and so I feel, I feel like it's important for us to hear the stories of people that are different. And it's important for us to understand that what you experience in America, just because it's veiled does not mean that you're not having a spiritual experience. You are having a spiritual experience. 
it's just very easy to cover it here. It's very easy for the enemy to cover it up and to tell you it's a medical problem. It's a medical experience. It's a work issue. um, It's, you know, whatever it is, it's this or it's that. And to entertain you to death so that you never take a look at what's actually going on. Um, But we have all the same problems here. They just, they just look different. And so I think, there's so many people out there who need this level of healing. So mm-hmm. let me ask you this uh, last question. So somebody out there, a believer is listening or a non-believer and they, um, ha- they are sick and they feel like they've done everything right. Or they're, they, they don't know how to deal with some issue that they're having. Um, I think probably your first piece of advice is start you know, open the word of God and spend some meditative time mm-hmm. with him because <laughs> mm-hmm. he's got, he wants to talk to you. But, um, like, is your book going to go over kind of some more of the process of healing? Yes. 100%. Okay. Yeah. So my book's broken up into three parts. The first part is my testimony. The second part is the process that I discovered on like a spiritual path to healing. The third part is overcoming common blocks. So, the mid- yeah. yeah, the middle of it um, is this eight-step process that I discovered literally through trial and error. Um, one of the when I was going through my own healing process, one of the people who I, one of the healers I saw did some kind of magic on me that ended up backfiring. Mm-hmm. It was terrible, terrifying at the time, but it gave me the spiritual gift to literally be able to feel the presence of angels and prayers and blessings and. Through that, I was able to create this meditation and study what is the order of things that need to that someone needs to go through um, in order to heal themselves. And then, as I started reading the Bible, I started verifying everything that I had mm-hmm. studied through firsthand experience. Everything was verified biblically as well, mm-hmm. which was so cool. So the first step in that healing process is faith, like mm-hmm. unshakable, unwavering faith. I mean, when, when I started my journey, the first thing that God did for me was open the heavens and show me, Hey, boom, I'm real. I'm all loving. I'm going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. You may feel like you're going to die at some points in this journey. I knew that he had a bigger plan for me. And it was only because of that certainty that I know God, that you're going to take care of me, even through the darkest of times. It was only because of that, that I ended up making it through the other side. Mm. So the first step is faith. The second step is humility. It is just a complete surrendering, knowing you can't do this on your own. Like you need him. And the more that you try to fight out of your own power, the more you might actually be fighting against yourself because God wants you to surrender to him. Mm. He wants you to give everything that you have to him. He wants you to, he wants you to pick up your cross every single day and sacrifice your life for him. So that's the second step is humility. The third step is repentance. This is where you cleanse your body spiritually. You're cleaning up all of the dark holes Mm -hmm. that exist where entities can be attaching to you. So you have to go deep into repentance. And I mean, like, think of everything that you possibly can from the beginning of your birth, pray for everything that you've done in your lifetime, and then start to pray for stuff that you don't even know that your ancestors did, because we all carry ancestral sin, right? So you have to pray all the way down the line for stuff that you don't even know what happened and try to break anything that exists in in your life or in your lineage, right? Fourth step is then forgiveness. Now, remember what Jesus said. He's like, if you uh, do not forgive your brother, then your heavenly father will not forgive you. So if you want to receive the forgiveness for all the repentance that you just did, 
you must start forgiving. And I kid you not, you need to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive over and over and over again until you start to break those ties. And once you finally get to the point where it's like, I feel completely at peace with this person, that's when you have finally forgiven enough. But it is going to take way more forgiveness than you could ever imagine. And the reason why by the way, I talk about meditation, the hospital of Jesus Christ meditation. I really, it's really a prayer meditation. Um, but the reason why I did that every single day, multiple times a day was because it took so much time. The problem today, I think of why so many people are praying for healing and they're not getting it is because they don't realize how much time it really takes to cleanse yourself spiritually. So it just takes a little more effort perhaps than what you're putting forth. It was not easy for me to do this journey. It's not going to be easy for you either. Well, Um, and you know, one, one thing I think I've just been learning is why would God just heal you physically when you have not learned any sort of spiritual lesson? That's it. You know, he need, you're supposed to learn. It doesn't mean God doesn't want people to suffer, but the process of suffering became necessary at the fall. Like we Mm -hmm. have to suffer in order to become mature believers. Mm -hmm. The bride of Christ someday is going to be the the people who suffer the most. They went through the end. They waited for their savior. They prepared themselves. They did the work because God wants a bride he can trust. We're not going to redo the Garden of Eden where we fall again, right? We got it. We've Mm -hmm. got to grow up. And people want what they want. They want a genie God that's just going to give them what they want right away without maturing, without becoming mature believers. And that's just not a good dad. Like God would not be a good father if he did that, right? You are so spot on. (laughs) So spot on. Yeah. yeah, So I'm going to breeze through the rest of these. But step five is simply to receive. I have seen so many people who believe, they repent, they forgive. And they fail to allow themselves to just receive God's grace. Yeah. Because that's hard. (laughs) Yeah. Because we're always being told we don't deserve it. So you're always being told all the time, you're terrible, you don't deserve it. You're terrible, you don't deserve it. And then you internalize that and you don't know how to receive. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't, yeah, exactly. You don't know how to receive. That right there can be a major block for people. It's just you need to be able to sit and receive and feel his grace enter you. Um, after receiving is giving, now that you're filled with the spirit, spread that spirit, start to pray for other people. Once you have done all of those things, this is now when you can pray for the things that you want in your life, where you can ask God, Hey, I want a miracle, whether it's earned or unearned, you know, I, I want to manifest this thing in my life. When you've done all those other things, God is going to be so much more receptive to actually answering your prayers. Mm-hmm. And then the last step in the eighth step is glorification of simply throwing your hands up and praising God through the thick and through the thin. And one of my favorite quotes is Romans five. I'm going to not quote it perfectly, but basically Paul says, we give thanks for all of the great things. We also give thanks for all of the tough times because those times lead to endurance and this, yeah, the suffering leads to endurance and the endurance leads to character And the character leads to hope and hope does not fail us. Right. Mm. So praising him in all times, giving giving glory to him, even when you're in the thick of it. Amen. Amen. Yeah. The the challenges are our training ground. And so we should not, um, should not be afraid of the challenging times. 
Like, let God train you. Let him make you. Trust in him through that time and see what amazing things he can do. When you stop running to a worldly uh, answer, when you stop running to yourself for answers, when you let yourself be trained, you submit yourself to that process, it's incredible what God can do in your life and the healing that can take place. And I just want to testify, as someone who has experienced so much healing from the Lord over a process just like that, those eight things that you mentioned, that is the process. I mean, sorry, folks, I don't know if you've ever heard about these eight things before, but that's been my process. When I talk to other people who talk about spiritual, the spiritual walk, it's not a one and done. You don't go to God and be like, heal me. And then he heals me and everything's done and you're great. You're good to go. And everything's perfect. You can reopen the door. You can, you can undo that, right? What is Jesus? Jesus heals a guy. Um, and then he finds him later. Do you know the story? He finds him later and he basically says, Hey, you better straighten up. So something worse doesn't happen to you than what you were dealing with before. Like, I'm not going to, he, he literally says, I'm not just going to heal you and then let you go out and do damage in the world. That's just irresponsible, right? That's not how the Holy Spirit operates. So I love those steps. I confirm, I believe a hundred percent that you are accurate. It's such a good reminder for me to continue my work um, in that process and my prayers over my family in that process. Um, because I know, I know we need them. And I love that you, again, for folks who haven't heard the interview, Colleen James talks about communal repentance. You bring that up, family lineage repentance. The the Bible talks about community. Even though you didn't do those things, going before the Lord and repenting for them is powerful and it has a powerful impact. Again, you don't really know how time works either. So we can talk about that later, but it has a powerful impact on your family and on you. So something that is definitely, I love your eight things. I, I completely agree. I love that. Um, so Clark in the future, when you've kind of finishing all of this, these books up and, and all that, where can people find you? Uh, you can find my podcast healed by faith on Spotify, on Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you can also pre-order my book right now on clarkvarin.com. Okay. And I also include the Hospital of Jesus Christ prayer meditation for free on my website, clarkvarin.com. So I highly recommend downloading that. I believe that meditation can heal you of physical uh, disease. It can heal you of emotional trauma. It can heal you of mental illness um, and spiritual illness. And mm. Truly, like I've done, like I said, like 80%, 90% of my healing work through that meditation. And I cannot wait to see other people's testimonies because I have felt how powerful it is. And I can't wait to see it work miracles in your life as well. But like you said, it's not magic, right? It's that when you go to the Lord with belief, like let's say you're doing that meditation, when you go to him with faith and you sit with him and you do those things and you pray and you have that meditation, that's how God, God's not going to work on you if you don't believe, right? He's not going to, he's not going to heal you yeah. if you don't first have that faith. So believe in the Lord, believe that his power is true. Mm-hmm. Church, stop denying the work of the Holy Spirit. Stop questioning <laughs> the work of the Holy Spirit in your community, in your life, because the Holy Spirit is at work. We have testimony after testimony. Go to God. Believe that he can do it. Believe that he is powerful enough. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, sharing those tools. And I will definitely provide a link um, on my post. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks, Thanks for Clark. having me.